Hello and welcome to this Crisfest World podcast number four. Crisfest is a music festival which takes place annually at the start of April in Creswick near Ballarat in country Victoria and this podcast series features conversations with the intriguing people involved in it. The next three podcasts feature something a bit different and they're linked. Three months before the first Crisfest in 2022, Creswick was hit by a storm the like of which it had never seen before. More than 200 homes were damaged and many families are still battling to put back together what they had before. This first podcast introduces Elisa and Brian, a young couple who had only just moved to their home a few months before. Families were dramatically affected by the storm. Emergency services did amazing jobs in the intermediate aftermath and Hepburn Shire picked up in the longer term where they left off. As far as the festival was concerned, there were long conversations about whether we should cancel it, but in the end, it was decided that some brightness and light might help local people, so on we went. In the second podcast of this three-part series, you'll hear another couple, Catherine and Mark, talking about the storm and its long-term effects on them. In the third podcast, we look at the composition and performance of a remarkable short opera on the Creswick Flood, based on face-to-face interviews between flood survivors and Melbourne University opera students. It was performed recently in Clunes to an audience which included people who'd been directly affected by the storms. I'm recording this two years to the day, January the 5th, since the storms hit Creswick. And these podcasts are dedicated specifically to all those who were affected by them. Let's hear now from Brian, who was assistant manager on duty in a big hotel in the edge of Creswick when the storm hit, and Elisa, who was at their home a kilometre away. The, the, the Creswick storm on the 5th of January was just a blip on the news. Oh, yep, this happened. But for the people, like my neighbours, who have, have lived, have had to, their roof collapsed and they had to go and live in a whole other location um, for months, nearly a year, you know, this was huge. This is so traumatic and uh, big. Uh, it was an upheaval of their life. It was a really hot day. Yeah. So it, it was not it, like it wasn't expected at all that there would be that kind of um, I mean, we often have hot days where you get a storm, but it wasn't expected that there would be that kind of level of disaster. Um, and it started with really epic lightning, which I think hit a tree just at the bottom of our property, which is the loudest lightning I've ever heard. And it lit up the whole house and it was just so like wild. <laughs> um and then the hail came down, which was like more hail than I've ever seen before. Like it looked like it had completely snowed everywhere. And part of the problem with damage was that the hail blocked all of the gutters. It was just so much hail. We had probably at the bottom of the garden, I guess, because it had washed down, there, were, there was more, but like half a meter of hail deep. Yeah. Um, and then the rain came, which washed a lot of the hail down the hill as well. But um, because the hail had blocked gutters, 
and there was, I think, I can't remember how much rain. I think it was like 150 mils of rain in less than an hour or something like that. So it was a lot of water um, that meant we just had waterfalls because we're on a hill running down either side of the house, under the house. Um, I was looked out and I wondered if the car would float away because the water was coming up like so kind of close and the car's parked on a hill. So I was like, oh, I wonder wonder if that's a thing that happens and I guess if it does I just leave it I don't know um and then of course what we sort of I guess didn't think of I was sort of racing around taking photos and videos because I was like wow what a wild kind of nature thing how crazy and thinking it was pretty fun is the wrong word in retrospect but you know um interesting and kind of exciting um and then I realized that because the gutters had all been blocked by the hail and the water had nowhere to go it was starting to come through the ceiling and it came through uh we have a you can sort of see it there we have a paneled ceiling um and so every crack basically just had water coming through it and through the chimney and um yeah, it was just them trying to lay towels down and sort of being like, oh. And Brian called me, I think, at the beginning and was like, oh, do you want to come up to the hotel and just, you know, stay there, like, for a bit? And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to stay here with the cat and the dog. And also, I don't think I would have been able to get there. It's only, gosh, not even a kilometre up the road, I don't think, but I don't think I would have been able to physically get there. Um, the power went out very early and I don't think we had power for a few days. Our road was blocked off by multiple trees falling and many trees came down, but because the storm was so loud, I didn't hear the trees, which was probably quite a good thing because um, mm. I think that would have been really terrifying. Then the water had, had now come through the first floor. So it's gone through four tiers and uh, rainwater started coming down onto the desk, which is full of electrical equipment, computers and, and all that type of thing. So we're moving those things out of the way. We're putting down towels and um, over the, the comms, I was like, oh, we're going to need a bucket at reception. And by the time that, maintenance person had made it to reception there was li literally a waterfall coming down over over the the desk and a bucket was just not going to cut it we needed um we were bringing up wheelie bins um to capture the water um the carpet all behind the reception area was now getting really damp and i remember having quite a um uh, a, a weird moment where guests have been coming and complaining about now the roofs in their rooms were starting to collapse. The plaster um, from the water damage was was so bad that the panels in the roof were starting to drop down onto the bed. And so the advice I was giving was, well, um, you know, move your valuables and things into the bathroom um, and then, you know, we need you to come downstairs because it's, it's obviously it's not safe. Um, and everybody was gathering in the bar area um, and and I realised I, I don't have enough rooms and uh, the 
the the calls kept coming through but one lady approached the desk and i was expecting another request for um you know their rooms got water damage and they were like oh just wondering if it at all possible um you know we could get some extra towels for the pool and and a sofa bed made up in our room like the most casual request <laughs> while there is a waterfall literally coming down on top of the reception desk and we're moving computers out of the way and and i'm like really like are you are you not aware of what is happening here but that's that's the beauty of of hotels i suppose the resort was evacuated and really i think the town being the size that it is and the emergency services having to deal with uh homeowners and local businesses you know having 250 additional people in the town is that the is that what we really need right now and 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 their needs as well um so yes we did arrange emergency accommodation um at another um a place in another hotel in in Ballarat. So <clears throat> yeah, that's how the resort was then assessed took about 2 weeks um is what the prediction for for being closed like the carpets were were completely soaked through so they all needed to be replaced. But then the um the assessors came through and started peeling back the walls. and realizing the extent of the electrical damage. Um and then it stopped. Like then it was just over and it was very very quiet and I suspect because a lot of wildlife probably died in the storm as well. But it was also it was summer so it was still kind of a little bit light outside. um and still really warm which was yeah just a really bizarre experience i think that was the whole experience like it was sort of like oh wow what a weird thing to happen um and i think even the next day i think it sort of hit home a bit more sort of looking at how i mean utterly destroyed everything was we still have trees that um have stripped bark and things like that on them because of it but we're talking every plant just decimated in the garden and it's amazing how things bounce back but i think we were we because we didn't have power we couldn't like make a cup of tea or coffee or anything like that because we also don't have like we're not connected to gas here um and so we couldn't even boil the kettle or do anything kind of normal to start getting our head around i would say it took almost almost 12 months to the day it was um it was uh and not not so much for insurance to approve things that took a long time but even just lining up to get things done yeah um, because of course also we're in a small area everyone got hit a lot of the services you know are then kind of stretched to replace floors or paint or um do any of those things so um yeah it would have been uh beginning of this year i guess that everything got tied up and finished it probably didn't feel as bad for us like some i don't know maybe other people wouldn't have put up with it we like we didn't have a kitchen floor for probably 6 or 7 months um 
and that was fine. Like, but there would be people who would, are not okay with that. So it yeah. just depends on, I guess, your personal. Um, I mean, it sounds awful, but we also lived with moldy curtains for most of last year, which I know a lot of people would be like, oh, no, that's very bad for your health, which I'm sure it is. Um, but just a reality of what was kind of easiest. I know that sounds um, yeah. like a cop-out in some ways or uh, whatever, but there's also only so much you can kind of do and manage, I think, in your bandwidth as well of um, how much it overtakes your life. So Yeah, sure. So during the storm, I was messaging people to see if people were okay, I suppose. So to a certain extent we did know that it was, like, not great. Um, and I have we have friends who I had been connected with through another artist via Instagram and we'd never met in person um, and I'd sort of messaged and said oh is everything okay up your end like in Croswick North and they're like yeah yeah we're fine wild but you know actually c- came out relatively unscathed and I think we'd been talking through messaging in the few days that followed and it was probably about um, maybe a week later as we'd sort of gathered everything together the following weekend or something like that um, they just turned up with a trailer and started helping us clear stuff for like several hours Uh, and a bunch of other friends um, had come to help as well and it was just like so lovely because we didn't know you know apart from I don't know do you know someone if you're friends with them on Instagram it's hard to hard to say but um, we're now really good friends you know and that was I like to think we would have become really good friends anyway but there was something very generous about that act of just showing up and um, yeah there was nothing to gain for them, I suppose, apart from maybe a sense of doing something good. Uh, it was just a really lovely thing to do, um, which I think is a small town mentality and something that we see a lot in Creswick as well, um, in all sorts of situations, which is really lovely. It's what we were looking for in um, in kind of regional and rural living as well looking for that uh, that sense of community which um definitely definitely feels like it and certainly in the um sort of anything that's followed um it's felt like that we see the same people contributing to community things whether it's um something like crow's fest or the um at the stories at the crescent theater company where it was the found objects um project or um response stuff like the um the second kind of set of floods that or storms that happened um there's always that sense of kind of um people sort of looking out for one another which is nice because i don't think that's guaranteed when something really bizarre happens in nature it was one of those days that felt like nature had something weird going on right so there was before the storm it had been a hot day where you feel like the air's a little bit electric and then this utterly bizarre storm happens in such a short space of time and it's so violent and so 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 loud like I can't, we've got a tin roof so the noise is just I can't explain how loud that is really 
um, and in an area that's not normally a very loud area, you know, mm. um, we're pretty far away from traffic or any other noise. Um, and so when it stopped, it was very odd. Like it was this very, very quiet time. Um, and yeah, I think there probably weren't many birds who were doing very well afterwards and things like that. So there wasn't noise of nature around, which is also odd. Like there was no frogs. There was nothing that you'd hear on a summer's evening. Um, and there was no power. So I couldn't like turn on the TV or I don't know, really do anything. I was trying to save my phone battery because I didn't know when we'd have power and turns out we didn't for a while. Um, and so I, it was getting dark and I lit some candles because that's all I really had to give light. And I sat down at the piano and I was just um, playing. necessarily to create noise but I find I mean I don't now the way I play the piano like I was trained classically and things like that but the way I play now is much more for myself um and it's a much more kind of I don't know improvisational intuitive process and I think it's quite meditative and calming and I can do it for a long time and be easily entertained so um that was just what I did I suppose and yeah. I yeah I recorded a little bit of it and I had been sharing all of this stuff on Instagram of like just waterfalls throughout our property um and I was like oh I want people to know that I'm okay so maybe I'll post this and just be like oh no it's all all good now newcomers to the town we didn't know anybody and uh it was quite isolating as, as fairly social creatures we are um we decided to get involved in um in the local community so that we could um i guess make connections and one of the ways that we did that was through volunteering through crow's fest hmm. which was an amazing experience we had a really great time and um, one of the ways, uh, well, on on the Crows Festival, I was um, helping with door ticket sales um, at one of the venues in town, Odessa, 
uh, owned by Chantel and Cam. So I, I got to make that connection uh, from Cresvest um, with Chantel and Cam. And, you know, they, they were also really, um, you know, helpful after the storm. But it was a few months later in October when uh, a forecasted weather event was um, being talked about that, that, that there could be quite significant flooding and that type of thing. And for people uh, in Creswick, this was a little bit triggering because we'd just been through the trauma of the January 5th event. And, and now they were saying this is, this is going, to be, going to be pretty bad. And uh, still city slickers, I was a bit unsure of, of what to do. And um, a message came across my device um, from the notice board on Creswick and it was from Chantel and it was a call out to, um, to people. And then specifically from the Creswick volunteers that had been part of Cresfest, um, we had a, a messenger group and the messages started popping up in that to say, yep, we're, we're coming down, we're, we're going to help. And so what the request was, was that uh, we would assist sandbagging people's houses who were at, at risk or threatened by the flood. So there's a, um, there's a creek that runs through just off past the main street um, next to where the, uh, the motel and the campground is. And that was rising very heavily. So it was actually houses on the main street that were um, going to be impacted. And it's something about Chantel as well, is that when you get a message from Chantel that says, this is what we're going to do and uh, we need you to come and help, then you just go, okay, I'm going that's, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Um, and I got to, to meet up with some of my fellow Cresfest volunteers at, at, on this day. So it, was, it, it started raining the whole day. It was raining. Um, and uh, some of the local businesses had donated sand. There was Hessian sacks and people were just shoveling. And as the day went on, we sort of created a large amount of, of sandbags. And then Cam, um, who, who's the one of the local publicans, he was driving a truck around with all of the sandbags. And then we would go and, and distribute the sandbags. And it started off actually pretty, um, uh, like, good spirits that, that, that there was this, um, we got to reconnect with the, the volunteers from Crowsfest and a group of friends that, that we'd made. And, uh, but it was pretty tiring work and the, it started to flood. And there was, um, there was a lady's house uh, just a couple of doors down uh, from the, the main street. It's still on the main street. And she, her father was in the house and he was in his late 90s, I think. And she was quite distressed because they couldn't move him and the water had now come up from their backyard up to, it was two or three steps into the house and it was up by the second step. Um, so she was very, very concerned. And Chantel was there directing us giving orders and getting messages from people uh, who needed help and, and sending us off to the next place. And um, it, yeah, the, even um, one of the local, um, the local dentist, it, his, his place was 
just next door and was getting severely hit as well. Um, so it started to become uh, a little bit more urgent. Going back to the uh, hub or base of operations, which was set up in our local footy ground. And it was in the afternoon that the emergency services started to arrive. And we were there shoveling, still shoveling, soaked to the bone. And I was watching them get out and they went inside and they came out and they said, oh, there's, um, there's burgers and there's sandwiches inside. Come in and grab something to eat. And I was there thinking, what the are you guys doing? We've been like going at it all day, like from the start of the morning and we haven't stopped and you guys have just rocked up now it's like the late afternoon and what are you doing why haven't you been here why aren't you helping us why aren't you telling us what to do why aren't you um doing this for us why does this town have to do this for ourselves after the storm um you know we're already still in recovery mode and I went inside and, and they, they were all eating. All of the emergency services people were eating. And I was getting so angry and I was getting so mad. And then they, they let us eat and then they, they just sort of patted us on the back and they said, all right, that's, that's it. You're done now. You, you're good. Sorry. Um, that's all right. Because, yeah, I realised what they would, they, they knew, they, knew that the night was going to be the worst and um, that's why it wasn't safe for volunteers or um, for people to to keep keep going in the night with the water and the floods and that so they just they knew that we were going to do what we did and keep going and then they just came in the afternoon and just tapped us out and so I was um, yeah I was wrong they 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 knew what they were doing that 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 was the um, the safest and the best option that they could go in through the night. And then that night was terrible. Um, <clears throat> you could hear trees falling down in our yard. Uh, well, you didn't know. You just heard bangs and noises and um, you just hope, you know, it wasn't the, the shed or the or car or, yeah. And you don't know until the morning. You look out. Um, like, I mean, where we are, there's no street lights or anything like that. And, um, yeah, you just had to just hope and wait until the morning. So yeah, it was a really, it was a really long night. Um, but after we'd had something to eat, um, Chantelle invited us back to their bar and they opened their, well, they didn't open. Well, they invited us into their, their, their bar and they lit the fire. And we sat around the fire and I remember we were just soaked, soaked through, so wet. And um, the, yeah, there was hot drinks put on and, um, and then people started playing music. And we maybe had a glass of wine and we maybe sang a, through a few songs. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the end of, of the long day where uh, we actually got to sit together and talk about prop like I 
I remember talking about my story with the, the storm from the 5th of January. And I think there was something quite healing about that is because you were in a room with people that knew what you were talking about. Like the, the, the Creswick storm on the 5th of January was just a blip on the news. Oh, yep, yeah, this happened. But for the people like my neighbours who have, have lived, have had to, their roof collapsed and they had to go and live in a whole other location um, for months, nearly a year, you know, this was huge. This is so traumatic and uh, big. Of, uh, it was an upheaval of their life. And but you were in a room <clears throat> with people that knew what you were talking about and they, um, they had their stories as well that um, we got to share. And, uh, yeah, I think Cameron was playing the piano and yeah so that was probably um that was the, the the best part of that day uh was the sharing of the stories but i would say the whole experience was really good for for me because i hadn't experienced anything like that living in the city no. you, you know your neighbors but it feels like in a small country town you do need to know your neighbors but it's more than just for a cup of sugar it's literally it's survival <laughs> yeah i wouldn't I, I don't regret moving to this town after the storms and the the, the people um yeah the people absolutely make it and and if the storm happens again the house we we will rebuild it or we will fix it or or, or what needs to happen but it's um yeah, it's, it's the people that, that make it. I feel very happy to have met Alyssa and Brian through Cresfest and privileged that they felt able to share their experiences of that year 2022 with such insight, patience and openness. And I hope you all our listeners feel like that too. I'd like to thank Alyssa for letting me use the recording of her uh, playing the piano as she describes it with the candles uh, lit because the power had gone out to keep a bit of sense of normality about life uh, while water was still running down the inside walls of their home. In the next episode of This Cresfest World, episode 5, you'll hear another Creswick couple, Catherine and Mark, talking about the damage to their home and lives that the storm wrought and how they're rebuilding both. Then, in the third episode, we hear about the amazing short opera put together by Melbourne University opera students based on interviews and conversations organised through the Creswick Lions Club with Creswick locals who had lived through the flood. I'd like to leave you today with a short excerpt from the concert of that flood opera, performed in September 2023 in Clunes Town Hall and recorded live in front of an audience which included Creswick people who had lived through the storms and floods. This is Neil Adam. This has been This Cresfest World. See you next time. Yeah.